Welcome to Painting the Midnight Oil Podcast with your host, Dan Oils. Recording this a few days early because this is my last day of winter break. I'm trying to capitalize on all of this free time. I'm almost finished with my latest painting, which I will discuss in great detail next week. Um, But I've really enjoyed winter break. Had about a week off. Going back to school tomorrow. Uh, I was able to spend a lot of time with the family. Uh, Sometimes or some days we just kind of laid low and hung out, played some board games. Uh, Other days we had uh, specific destinations in mind and uh, planned some day trips. And Saturday, that was uh, one of my days, the plans. So Saturday, we went down to the Air and Space Museum in Virginia. I forget the exact name of the Air and Space Museum. It's slightly different um, than the one down in D.C. as far as the name is concerned. It's named after a specific person. But the one down in Virginia is great. It's it's a lot newer. I went to the one down in D.C. growing up. Uh, my grandmother took me, I think, a few times, and then we went down there as a class a few times for various field trips. But I had never been to the one in Virginia until last year when I took the kids uh, over the summer. And what I like about that particular museum, a couple things. One, there's ample parking. You don't have to worry about finding parking like you do down in D.C. sometimes. There's a lot of parking. Uh, it's free. You just have to pay for parking, which is 15 bucks. And uh, it was my wife's very first time. So it was a lot of fun. And then we went down to George Mason University, and we saw a basketball game. Um I've lived in Maryland my entire life and never really spent a lot of time in Virginia. So I wanted to spend some time in Virginia and just explore what I've never seen before. And George Mason always has a really strong basketball team. And what's nice about that is they're a competitive team. They're, they were 10-2 and two at the time. But it's like obviously there's a lot of people that go to the game, but you don't really get that sense. Like it's not really overcrowded, which can bother me and give me a lot of anxiety. So selfishly, I enjoyed uh, going there for those reasons but my son's getting more and more into basketball and so he was able to see some top level talent my daughter is into dance so she was able to see some of the dancers perform and it was overall it was just a really good uh, trip down to Virginia and um, to those particular destinations and on the way home my wife and I are talking and she mentioned this fable I guess or just this scenario or saying or maybe something that she saw on Instagram. I don't even know exactly where she heard of this, but she shared it with me and I found it really interesting. Um, I thought it was very appropriate too since uh, it's the new year, so happy new year. Um, It goes in line with what a lot of people discuss and think about when uh, we start a new year about just reflection and analyzing what is serving you and what is not. So my wife was saying that, you know, there's this person and they're walking on this really difficult path, just really steep and treacherous terrain. Uh, But they realized that there was a lot of materials to build a boat. So this person... I guess, has the tools or, or has the resources or the know-how, or maybe they just found a boat uh, that was kind of tied up to the shore. I kind of forget the exact, uh, 
exactly how the story goes. But let's just say that they found a boat. That's a little bit easier to comprehend. So they're walking along this very treacherous path, and they see that there is a river with a boat. And then on the other side of the, uh, the shore, um, other side of the river on the other shore is a very smooth path. One that's without uh, steep inclines or treacherous rocks and without extreme danger like the path that the person was walking on for quite some time. So the person gets really excited and they, they, they climb down to where the boat is tied up. And there, luckily there's an oar in the boat and they, they paddle across the river and they get to the other side. And the person gets out and they're kind of looking to tie the boat off. But then they're thinking like, I really like this boat. This is a perfectly good boat. It's in great condition. It served me very well. What happens if I continue walking down this very smooth and flat path and I need another boat? So the person's thinking, well, should I bring this boat with me or should I just leave this boat behind? So the person realizes that even though the boat served them very well to get to that point in life, sometimes you just have to let things go that are perfectly good, that still have a lot of value, but no longer serve you or no longer serves your immediate needs. And they realize that, yeah, it's possible that I could use that boat in the future, but there's no guarantee that I'll need it. And if it comes with me, that means I have to maybe drag it behind me or, or carry it over my shoulder, depending on how uh, heavy it is. And even though it's a perfectly good boat, they decide to tie it up and leave it behind. And I thought that was a very appropriate fable or saying or whatever the correct word is to describe that story. That was very appropriate as we enter 2024. And so naturally my wife is asking me, you know, what, what are your boats? What are some things that they're perfectly fine? They still have value, but you no longer need them, at least for the immediate future that you have to let go of. And, you know, and of course, immediately I go to my, you know, painting career and things that I referenced uh, and talked openly about in this podcast. The very first thing that I thought about was, you know, the podcast. And I said, I've, I've loved this podcast. It's been um, just a very, uh, it's just been a, an excellent outlet for me artistically I've taken a lot of pride in, in sharing stories and lessons that I've learned in the hopes that it will help other people. Uh, that's a big value that I have in my life is, is trying to figure out what my strengths are and, and how I can use those strengths to elevate other people and to, to impact people's lives in a positive way. And so this podcast has allowed me to do that. It's possibly my favorite artistic expression. It allows me to kind of live that life that I wanted to live so badly when I was younger and I wanted to become a professional writer. And in some cases, it's checking those boxes. It's allowed people to uh, become acquainted with my art and the person behind the art and why I paint what I do and, and why I paint in general and, and all of the 
you know, the positives and the negatives and uh, the experiences that go into that output. But it's time to leave the boat behind, as I've mentioned um, a few episodes ago. And I realized that, you know, my addictive personality or whatever you want to call it, um, it's it's been creeping up. And this past year, you know, my first episode was December 23rd. And so for a little over one full year, I've been absolutely addicted to looking at these statistics. You know, I, the nerd in me loves data and analyzing data and understanding that, yeah, there are people that care about what you have to say and are following your journey and, and hopefully gaining inspiration from your journey and gaining strength from your journey and knowing that, yes, there's going to be periods of, of difficulty, but to continue to persevere and, and continue to think about the goals that you are hoping to achieve and to focus on that and to focus on your victories and to, you know, reflect on your disappointments and, and where you're going wrong or, or how you're missing expectations and reflect on what you can be doing differently, applying those lessons so you can hopefully make progress over time. But it's difficult because the positives that I've gained from this podcast have slowly been um, overwhelmed with the addictive element to this podcast and where I'm constantly checking my stats all day, every day. And most of the time it is disappointing because it's not where I wanted this podcast to be at this point. You know, I'm a very ambitious person and, and I wanted this podcast to be much more popular than it has been. And so that's, it's worn on me. Um, and so it's starting to, I'm starting to realize that I need to leave that boat behind, at least for a little while. And as I mentioned, I'm going to take about a year off. I still have, I think, four more episodes, including this episode, uh, until I reach episode 50. Um, because I realized over the course of this year that, you know, part of becoming a full-time artist is you have to get yourself out there. You have to market your work. You have to connect with your audience. Um but sometimes that can really take a lot out of you. And ultimately, I want painting to be an enjoyable experience. And sometimes I feel like it's not as enjoyable because I'm constantly focused on where I'm falling short, where I'm missing my mark and where I'm missing my expectations or my goals. And it shouldn't be that way. Um, and so I am really looking forward to finding a place uh, mentally, where I can be satisfied with uh, just whatever I'm producing and not worrying about the outside noise and the marketing strategies and the statistics and the likes and the follows and all that nonsense and all that noise that really doesn't matter when you're creating art. Um, you know, does it matter as far as becoming a full-time artist? Yes, because it shows you're following, but that's not ultimately why art should be made and if if you can you know reach that point then great and again i will never stop trying to reach that point or at least i'll never stop hoping that that will happen um but i need to focus on the basics and i need to focus on just allowing my art to bring me joy and bring me satisfaction and not worry about um the outside approval and that goes along with instagram too you know, instagram for this last year last two years really because I'm coming up on my two-year anniversary here next month 
Um, sorry, at the end of this month. And it's like every single time I post, I'm like, oh, this is going to be the painting. This is going to be the post where I really start to generate a following. And it's never the case. It always falls short. And I'm always left disappointed. And I don't have the followers that I was hoping to have by this point. I don't have, you know, just the overall following. I don't have the sales. I don't have any of those things that I was hoping to really have by this point in my career. And so I have to let that boat go. Instagram was very important and still plays a role as far as kind of showcasing my art to the world and, and using that as an online portfolio. And so I don't want to completely get rid of that. Um, and even though I'm going to discontinue podcasting at least for one year, um, I didn't destroy the boat. I just left the boat behind. So people can still access the podcast episodes. They can still listen if they feel inclined. They can still look at my Instagram, but I'm just not going to check it nearly as often. I'm going to take it off my welcome screen um, once I'm finished with my next painting. So it makes it a lot more challenging to access. And just all those marketing strategies and, and applying to all of these residencies and just like just doing all this work just to get my name out there and to, I don't know, ultimately it's just left me disappointed. And you know, with any journey, you have to experience disappointment, but, you know, it's just taking away the joy um, that I first discovered when I started painting. And I want to reconnect with that joy. I want to reconnect with that experience of just sitting in here and enjoying the process of creating art and the satisfaction um, of finishing a piece and, and following the vision all the way through and being satisfied with that because that's enough, which should be enough. And it doesn't always feel like it's enough. And so I never quite verbalized this to my wife, but in line with that boat metaphor, you know, this was after I found out about not getting into those two art residency programs, I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just kind of tired. I'm kind of tired of like just pursuing all of these things and, and just always falling short. And so that was, I don't really like saying New Year's resolutions because I'm always trying to reflect on things that um, I could be doing better at or reflecting on my behaviors or attitudes or whatever it is. You know, I don't like waiting for a particular date on the calendar to make those decisions and to make those changes. You can make a change at any moment of any day. Um, but because it was around that time, because it was around the end of Last year, I started to think, you know what, maybe this year I'll just completely let go. And I'll just stop pursuing those residency programs and, and all these other opportunities. And I'm just going to trust the universe. And I'm just going to, you know, acknowledge what I want, whether it's just internally or whether it's writing it down or whether it's affirmations or whatever it is. I, I'm just going to be clear about what I want and I'm going to do everything that I can from an artistic standpoint to manifest that. And I'm just going to, to be consistent with my time in my art trailer like I've been ever since day one and just continue to come in here and paint. And whatever happens, happens. And if I'm confronted with any opportunities, then great. But I'm not going to be so focused and obsessed 
with trying to find out what those opportunities are. Well, that exact night, that same night, I'm coming in from my shower and my wife's there waiting for me. And she's typically not on her phone that late at night, but she happened to be on her phone when I walked into the room. And she's like, huh. Would you ever consider an art residency program in Frederick? And I was like, well, maybe. So she starts to read this program off her phone. So she's a member of the YMCA. Um, that's where my son takes basketball lessons or that's the team that he plays on. It's through the YMCA and I used to be a member of YMCA. So on occasion, we will get these emails fr from the YMCA. Uh, I never saw this email, so I'm not exactly sure why she received it and I didn't. Um, but I guess she was looking at the winter course offerings for 2024 and she came across this program, this AIR program open call for entry. AIR meaning artist in residence. And I'm just going to read it to you. The artist in residence AIR studio program at YAC offers a one-year artist fellowship. The program cost is $250 monthly and includes a work table, central air, a micro gallery exhibition space, and a large community work slash workshop room, recycling, complimentary access to the ceramic studio, audio studio, and maker space. Artists are required to lead a minimum of one art workshop or lecture per year, participate in open studio and micro gallery events typically held on the first Saturday of most months and meet with a curator of contemporary art to discuss and share their work on occasion. At the end of the year, artists may apply to renew their fellowship. No smoking is allowed in the building. Residents must text the curator if they plan to stay late. So the studio fellows benefit from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. access, public programming opportunities, professional exposure, publicly promoted open studio events in tandem with first Saturday downtown Frederick partnership programming, exhibition spaces that are reserved solely for air studio fellows. All right, so program eligibility, um, successful candidates possess a mature body of work that reveals a mastery of techniques and processes within a developed conceptual framework. Successful applicants will also display a readiness to collaborate with the director of arts and humanities and the curator of contemporary art and engage with the public during open studio, micro gallery and workshop events. At the time of application, artist studio applicants must be at least 21 years old, must be a U.S. citizen or legal resident of the U.S., must be willing to undergo and pass a background check and agree and sign our code of conduct, must live within a one-hour driving radius of downtown Frederick, Maryland. Well, when I was reading through this, I had the same exact sensation um, as when I was reading the Jersey Design Contest through the Frederick Arts Council for the Frederick Keys. And I felt like I was reading an opportunity that was scripted for me because it was absolutely perfect. Because I had just found out that I was denied from these two art residency programs, 
Although the second one, I was convinced that I was going to get in because of the the traffic on my stories and the attention that these very high-profile artists in London and Paris were giving my account and just basically showing me daily support. Um, and all of a sudden, this opportunity shows up on my wife's phone and she's communicating this to me as I just had this idea. Like, I'm not going to pursue any opportunities unless something's presented to me. And it's open late at night, so I can still paint from 9 until 10. I could paint until 11 o'clock if I wanted. I have, um, I don't know, a bunch of pieces that I could, you know, show on display. I have two defined collections. Um, I just have everything that they're looking for. And I live a couple hundred feet away from the building. Um... I mean, so they're like, they're, they're just looking for people that live within one hour, which is a pretty significant, <laughs> pretty significant distance. I live like a five minute walk. So that next morning, as the kids were waking up and, and watching a show um, and eating their breakfast, I just cranked out my application. And uh, it was very similar to the materials that I had presented for my other art residency program. So I basically had everything that they're looking for. So I, I just I edited my my statement. Um, I added a few additional paintings that I recently finished that I did not finish at the time of my initial application to the other two art residency programs. And I submitted my application. And then I get um, an automatic email saying that the recipient is unfound. I'm like, what? So I make sure I type in the, the email address as it appears in the newsletter or on the website that my wife forwarded to me. I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what they have written on the website. Send it again. About 30 seconds later, I get another automatic email. The email address is not found. So I'm like, all right. I'm not giving up. I, I need to set I need to send I need to submit this application. I need to figure out what's going on. So I called YMCA's front desk and I explained what was going on. And the gentleman was incredibly helpful and he gave me the email address and the phone number of the art director for YMCA. So I'm emailing the YMCA art director and I realize that the email address for him is Frederick YMCA. But on the website, it says YMCA Frederick. So I'm like, I bet that's the reason why I keep on getting my emails returned to me. So I basically explained everything and I said, look, you know, it looks, it appears that the email address on the website is incorrect. I'm assuming that it's switched based on your email address. And since I'm emailing you, I just wanted to go ahead and submit my application here but just know that I've also submitted it through um, the recommended channel as well. Now, I could have very easily just said nothing about that because, in theory, it would have given me an advantage because fewer people would have been able to successfully submit their applications. But it was the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I hope he looks favorably upon that decision. Um but it was the right thing to do. And I don't want, if I were to get this, if I were fortunate enough to get this position, um, 
I want it I want it to earn it the right way. I don't want to earn it because of a typo on a website. And so I explained all the reasons why I wanted to apply or why I felt like I was an ideal candidate. And um, I did mention that um, I, I don't have my application out right in front of me, but I basically explained that I was an ideal candidate. You know, I, I live a couple hundred feet away. I have been looking for an art residency program. Um, you know, I, and I have multiple collections. I have a teacher background, so I would really thrive in those type of roles and, and opportunities, those community outreach programs um, where I would be facilitating lessons and explaining my techniques and styles to the general public. Uh, and I, and I said, look, you know, I've had a lot of success in other cities and, and I was completely honest. And I said, you know, over time I've, I've, uh, I felt less connected with the city that I've called home for 13 years. And I see this as an opportunity to rekindle that bond and to, uh, re-engage with the community that I've called home for these last 13 years and, and the community where I've raised my two children along with my wife and um, you know looking back at the boat or my boats that I want to let go of one of the big one is that resentment you know for the last couple years I've just felt this resentment towards a town that I fell in love with the first time I saw it when I was a kid and <clears throat> I need to let that go I need to stop taking that so personal I need to stop holding in that anger and that resentment and if we're being completely honest <coughs> and I don't like sharing too much of my personal beliefs on things um, but since it is my podcast I'm going to <laughs> I'm not in a, a, a formal school setting I think that might be the reason why I'm getting so sick you know these last this last year last year and a half you know, my body really started to deteriorate. Um, my kidney disease jumped up to a 3A. Didn't even realize I had kidney disease prior to that diagnosis about a year and a half ago. And then I had, you know, a melanoma removed from my skull. You know, finding out that I have all of these polyps and and the fact that they were progressing towards precancerous and getting all of these... Um, moles and freckles after that initial melanoma removal i've had multiple freckles and moles removed because they've turned out to be precancerous and you know it's just like i think that this resentment this anger is like metastasizing in these cancerous cells almost and that my body is is responding to the stress and to the my emotional state of mind there's a physiological reaction to that resentment that i've been that i've been holding in and I need to let it go. I need to move on. I need to just focus on what I can control, which can be very difficult for me to do. Um, so that was my very first inbox surprise, or rather it was an inbox surprise on my wife's phone. But nonetheless, it was a big surprise. I'm applying. Um, I'm putting myself back out there. And... I'll know in several weeks. So I'll find out after this podcast is officially over. So you're going to have to check my Instagram um, if I make it. Uh, or you'll have to check out um, my website. So my website, danoilsart.com. 
and uh, my Instagram at dan.oils to, to figure out if I made it. But there's one more inbox surprise. That's kind of a play on words for the second one. But yesterday was January 1st. First day of the new year and I have been collecting all of my canvases. Um, there's only a few canvases that I have given away to, to people that showed uh, significant support to me early on. But most canvases I still have. And they're starting to really accumulate. And there really isn't a great place to store them because our house, um, you know, it's a, it's a one-story rambler and uh, there really isn't a whole lot of space. So I started to collect them in our like office slash spare bedroom, but it was like taking up the entire room. And there really wasn't any space to do anything else in that room. And we needed all the available space that we can get. And I didn't want to store them in the basement uh, in like the unfinished side because it's right next to our water heater. And, you know, knock on wood, nothing like that would happen. But if anything leaked, it would get all over my paintings and would ruin them. So I've been teasing this idea of getting a storage unit and just, you know, setting aside about 50 bucks a month and purchasing a storage unit that's secure, it's safe, it's locked, uh, it's climate controlled. And that's exactly what I did on Monday, um, yesterday. So I went to my phone. We were, my wife and I were talking. I'm like, you know what? I've been giving this a lot of thought. I think I just need to pull the trigger on this. So I got the online rate. I signed up. I immediately get the text with my code to enter the parking lot. Um, I bring almost every single canvas except one into my car. It's really tight, but I was able to manage almost every single one. I drive to uh, the storage unit and I unpack everything. Go back to my house, grab the last one, go back to the storage unit, unpack that. Now on the floor, it's a concrete floor and I just would feel better if my canvases weren't touching the cold concrete and there was some sort of buffer in between the concrete and the canvas. So if you remember, if you've been following along this entire time, Last year, like one of my very first big opportunities was I participated in a fundraising event for Ukraine. And I painted like half a dozen, if not more, pieces, Maryland-themed pieces, to be auctioned off at that event to raise money for Ukraine. Well, there was never a second event. And I realized this a few months ago. So I'm like, well, someone still has my paintings because I know they didn't auction every single one off. And so a few months ago, and I shared this in another episode, so I'm not going to go, go over it in too much detail, but I essentially contacted the person. They said, yep, they still have my paintings. I drove over to Catonsville, which is just shy of Baltimore, and they were uh, neatly packed in this cardboard box. And I briefly looked in them, and I saw there are two paintings left. There was a turtle piece that I never really liked too much. And ironically enough, the Ukrainian soldier, which was like, the preeminent place, the, the preeminent piece for that event. Um, so I was like, all right, well, whatever. Um, so I brought that box home and I'm looking at my storage unit and I realized that I could utilize the cardboard box 
So I, I start to take the paintings out of the box so I can rip the box and set it on the concrete floor so my canvases has something soft and a little bit warmer to rest on. So I pull out the first canvas, it's the turtle canvas, and then I look back into the box and kind of trapped in the frame of the Ukrainian soldier are two 12 by 16 canvases. But they were face down, so I couldn't see which ones they were. And I'm like, oh man, there's two more canvases in here that I never knew I had until just now. And it turns out they are two of my most important pieces that I've ever painted. And I took the first one out and I just like wanted to cry because I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that the Raven painting and the Black Eyed Susan painting were there all along. I had thought when I donated those pieces to the auction, I thought that they were auctioned off because I actually remember seeing at least one of them like on the ground. It was like leaning up against like a, a table leg. And I just assumed that it was auctioned off that day. And I assumed since I didn't see it in the box initially that both of them had gone to somebody, but I didn't know who they were. I didn't know if they were safe. I didn't know if someone had thrown them away. I didn't know if someone had really cherished and valued those pieces. And so it was very challenging for me this entire time, knowing that those pieces were out there somewhere. And I didn't know if they were being properly taken care of. Another reason why these pieces mean so much is because the Raven um, was, I think it was my very first piece on the big screen at Big Screen Plaza. Um, if it wasn't the first, it was my second. And my Black Eyed Susan was one of the very first paintings that was accepted into the juried show at Ideal Glass Studios um, via Art House NYC. And I saw that piece, I saw the Black Eyed Susan in person on the screen in New York City. And so that piece I will always cherish as being the very first piece that I really felt like took me somewhere. And the Raven was another piece that I felt like really took me somewhere, you know, to see it on a big screen, um, in New York city, uh, was incredibly special. And to think that they were just floating around and that they were unaccounted for was really troubling for me. It was, it was really challenging knowing that I had these pieces and I had no idea if they were safe and I had no idea if they were being valued or cherished and to open up that box and see those pieces again. Um, was just an incredible feeling, a very emotional moment for me. And, uh, and they're safe now. I know, I know where they are. And I know they're being taken care of. I know they're safe and secure. Um, and so it's just amazing kind of how the world works. And it's amazing the surprises uh, that we are confronted with. 
And I know that I've taken this podcast on a more existential path sometimes, but it's important to share those stories and it's important to kind of figure out where we stand um, with our relationship to our world around us. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's situations that you sometimes you just can't explain. And they're just, if you believe that they're coincidences, um, that's fine. That's, that's obviously your belief, but I don't, I have a difficult time believing in coincidences. And, uh, I was very, um, grateful to be confronted with both inbox surprises. And I'm hoping that I will encounter many more surprises in my painting career and in my life. Thanks for listening to the Painting the Midnight Oil podcast. Come back soon.